Yeah. Yeah. Or, or with, uh, uh, with Pat Owen, but I think it was longer with Alyssa. Yeah, I don't remember. Are we starting? Are we just doing it? Yeah. Well, okay, welcome uh, back, everybody. Hello, uh, my friends. Yes. We just spoke with Steve Maxwell, and you're about to listen to him. And this guy is just a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, like, he's a gem. It's the he's second a... time we had him on, and he can just... You could just give this guy the spotlight and he'll just know everything about everything. So, so much experience, so much knowledge, so much. Um, and like, you know, we talked about it a lot throughout the podcast, a lot of a lot of humility and just learning new shit all the time. And uh, like he even mentioned, Ido Portal, like that's kind of his uh, uh, philosophy, if you will. I didn't we didn't really talk about it more than that, really. But like, it's just cool to see, you know, he's, you, you'll hear him talk about like yeah. he's into He's into uh, this kind of like a uh, cane martial art now, and uh, you can see him light up when he talks about yeah. it. He's like having fun, getting better at it, and teaching other people, and it's it's cool. Yeah, it's a really cool thing to see. He's like sixty eight years old, I believe, and he's still learning new things. He's a jiu jitsu black belt, probably almost close to red belt at this stage. He's been taught under the best of the best. He started up with the Gracie family. He learned under Helio and all the brothers and sons of the lineage of that family you can google it if you don't know but they pretty much started jiu-jitsu and to hear at 68 so late in his career still learning new martial arts still doing cane fighting and researching and growing it just shows you that this path doesn't end and you uh, can if you, learn if it, you don't if you don't want it to that it's yeah. in your control right and yeah that was really awesome to hear like steve maxwell teaching cane fighting i would have never thought no, no. Yeah. but I like it's it was it's it's just fun to explore and it's cool that like he he's talking about how he's kind of drawing from everything yeah. that he's ever really learned and creating I you know I'm sure he's it, it's 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 coming through him yeah. so it's just gonna be whatever he kind of deems it to be but he has so much respect and knowledge for that like like respect for the knowledge that he's attained mm. It's like uh, I would I on at the end he was saying uh, he was talking about his his programs and his strength and conditioning uh, like I I'm, yeah. I don't I, maybe I can't afford it I don't know what this guy charges you know like I have no I idea think it's honestly. pretty reasonable I would love to yeah. have this guy as as my trainer even if even I feel like if I had him for a few months mm. I would just learn so much and it would change my my way of working out for the rest of my life yeah I mean. Look, he's a wealth of knowledge and years of experience behind him. So whatever the price is, you're buying into some either way. That's very yeah, some very rare accumulation of knowledge. Like this guy is trained all across the world with every kind of walk of life. He trained in Russia and Moscow and then Brazil and then you know. So he's gathered so many modalities and so many different systems into one. So I think it's like. I'm interested too. I think it would really change my whole perspective of fitness mm -hmm. because he comes from a different approach, which you all will hear soon. And it's really fascinating where he kind of went back in time to like the pre 1940 systems of training where they didn't have many supplements or things and kind of brought that back. And he trains a lot more for uh, prevention, injury prevention, but longevity. Yeah, longevity. Like he's 68 and it's hard to see his whole body on camera because it's just zoomed in on his face. But he's in he's got like abs. He's in great shape. He moves well. He's a jiu-jitsu black, but he's still rolling. Like clearly he's doing something right, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it, he's he like you said, he's like he's combing into the past and just trying to always find what works. And he's also paying attention over time to see who isn't 
like maintaining that longevity or who isn't like who's in a bad shape essentially you yeah. know and he's he's doing his best to dodge that and it's working and and he's just like he's just a genius he's just like a master of the craft of, of many crafts you know it's 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 yeah i'm honestly really thinking about it like i I, I, I might I might call this guy up and and uh, and do it. I, like you'll you'll get it at the end of the podcast. But he's uh, uh, the website was Maxwell uh, SC Maxwell Strength and Conditioning dot yeah. uh, com. I imagine. And uh, yeah, guys, enjoy. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, we had a blast talking to him. I can't believe it's only the second time. Like this time, it felt more like a like a friend. This yeah. time, it felt more like we just jazzed yeah. and, and had first fun. time it was just knowledge bombs, knowledge bombs, and we just yeah, no, he w- like. <laughs> we we joked about it like we didn't we didn't get to talk much but like well I don't I, I listened to it again and I'm glad we didn't yeah, talk like the, the dude just knows too much <laughs> like just shut up and listen when the master is speaking shut up and listen in honestly. all honesty yeah 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 it's yeah. that's really what it is but um, if you haven't heard the first one jump in and hear the first one I don't remember what number it is I'll put like the number the link below thirty something you said. It was in the yeah. I believe it was in the thirties. Yeah, he's in the he's old school for old us. school man. The old school curious chimp. He's one of us. Chimps. Hardcore. Yeah. So guys, I mean uh, you know the drill. Like, subscribe, do those things that we're we're seeing you guys doing it and it's helping us out. So keep going. Uh share the ones you like. You know, we have so many guests at this point. It's yeah. like so random and 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 just if there's something for everybody and there's just us jazzing it up sometimes yeah. which is really fun as well and we just talk about like life and psychedelics and and self-improvement and just whatever the fuck comes to us all that juicy stuff all the juice man yeah. <laughs> so we appreciate it it's been you know it's been showing so you know our numbers are growing and we like that we like the views going up we like the subs going up we're reaching more people we like what we're doing and when we see other people seeing it it yeah. fucking it makes me happy honestly yeah it's so, true and look one like me and Sammy, uh, we're gonna be full full disclosure. There's nothing to hide in this podcast, but we talk about you guys nothing. and how to engage with you more and how to grow this podcast. But you know what? What's reoccurring and Sammy always brings it up, and it's really important is just do just us doing what we're doing is already perfect, man. Yeah, we're having like, fun. You guys are awesome, whether you engage or not. It's we're having so much fun doing this. I would love to see the numbers grow and to see it become what it, we want it to become. But if it doesn't, it's it's just as fun. That's what's fucked up. It's like this is good. Yeah, this is fun. But Sammy, I, don't, I don't want to say that sometimes because yeah. I want you know to the moon. Like everybody yeah. wants it to go. Like, but if it happens, it happens. But you know what? Whoever's on this journey with us, let's fucking ride this wave. Like we're nothing without you, and you're nothing without us. No, not that far yet. But we're nothing without you, and um, but you we're know, doing it for yeah. It's it's, it's, it's just mutual enjoyment. It's a mutual enjoyment. That's the perfect. It's a yeah. ceremony. It's just like we're it, all it in it together, kind of thing, and it's fun. So look. I'm going to leave you all with that little peace bomb. I love you all. This is awesome. I love you, Sammy, bro. This is like 73 or 74 right now. I can't believe it. Dude, like, I, I really people crazy. ask me, it's like, how long have you guys been doing this for? I'm like, just count the episodes. That's one week per episode. So that's like 74 weeks. Give or take a month, maybe. Yeah. Like we've missed a few weeks here and there, but uh... it's, it's a journey. And you know what? It doesn't, it's never felt like work. Like we were concerned about that at some point. Remember? I think we could put more work in, but like we're just having fun and we're yeah. we're not. There's there's a balance. We'll figure it out. We'll figure you know? it out. But it's it's you guys are half the the game, you know. So yeah. you're commenting, you're sharing, you're 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 doing. Just keep growing. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a media. You guys like what you see, and you're sharing it to other people, and it, and, it, and it's it's cool. It's just yeah. cool. It's weird. It's a little surreal. And stuff. <laughs> anyway, yeah. All right. What he said. Yes. Stay curious. We love you. Love you guys. What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. 
and welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal, so please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. Alright, let's talk about drugs! Curious, curious, curious chimps. Anyway, we'll, we'll just start. We could keep talking about movies. I don't, I don't <laughs> give a shit. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Mr. I'm, Steve uh, Maxwell back, people. back in black. Welcome back. Yeah, man. It's been a while, dude. We oh. we're like seven. Thanks. Years How long out. has it been? I don't know. Honestly, like a, a year. Yeah, because you were in the episode in the in the thirties, and now we're in the seventies. So it's been over a year. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. I think it was just at the beginning of this crazy reality that we're all experiencing it was it's true we talked a bit about it you were very on the uh conspiracy bullshit side you know i'm just like uh, <laughs> yeah i, don't I know. all i know is i was pretty much unscathed yeah and uh you know my business did better than ever so Mm-mm-mm. it was no big deal for me personally I, I'm, I'm happy you say that because a lot of times i'm having the conversation with people that like it's not as bad as you think there's a lot of fear mongering and people are just at home, working from home, talking to like a small group of people. And you can really get trapped mm. and feel like it's the end of the world. And I have friends who at first were very much like, yo, fuck the government and all this kind of mentality. And of course, they're going to capitalize and, and do, you know, some assholes in power are going to take some more power kind of thing. But now a few of them are like, fuck it, I'm getting the vaccine. I just want things to go back to normal. And I'm over here like happy. I'm like, I'm still seeing people. I'm still doing my thing kind of thing yeah yeah i mean i did too uh, i i never took precautions i mean i wore a mask only because people were too uncomfortable if i didn't mm. but you know i didn't do it for my own safety that's it you know I, i've always been against pretty much against vaccines i mean i never you know especially ones that weren't tested you know i don't care what they say ha- haven't been tested no they're being you know, tested it's scary I, I, t- I tend to read a lot of alternative health views so I was already biased against it. You know, I was telling people I'd rather get the damn coronavirus than uh, get the vaccine. Just I mean, it has yeah. 99% survival rate. Yeah. I think I might have had it, actually, to tell the God's honest truth. Hmm. I, I just felt really uncomfortable for about three days. Hmm. Very high elevated uh, heart rate. And uh, for your listeners that don't know me, I'm, you know, I'm 68 years old. So I'm in that so-called dem- demographic where, you know, it's supposed to be dangerous. But... You know, other other than just a little difficulty breathing uh, when I would take my daily walks and I just didn't feel like strength training or doing jujitsu or anything. Hmm. So I just took it easy for about three days, fasted most of it. And, uh, you know, I came out the other end. I felt great. So I I don't know. It was no big deal. You know, for populations that are really uh, vulnerable, you know, you know, do what you think you have to. That's what I told my clients. You know, I do online personal training and. I have a lot of clients. I said, look, it's, it's up to you. I'm not going to advise you one way or another. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. You do what you think you have to and base it on an informed decision. That's Don't a, just exactly. blindly be a sheeple yeah. and a sheep and just go along with mandates and all that. Read for yourself. Listen to both sides. Listen to alternative views. Listen to the mainstream. And then make your own decision based on, you know, in, mm. uh, on the information that you have. But you feel comfortable. Well, that's it. I think a lot of decisions are right now are just out of fear and panic and just out of like this 
crave for normal life but i think you need to sit back at least for me sit back and observe what's going on and really come up to my own conclusions and i haven't yet and that's why i haven't acted with this vaccine or whatever i haven't processed if i actually want this or if it's just external pressures because me personally i'm not afraid of this virus i rather get it like you i think i'll be fine and i'm I have a pretty good protocol if I do get sick, in like the fasting, the sauna, just movement and just, just breathing properly, eating good. So I actually want to get this virus just to build my immunity to it and just see how I'll see if I'll be part of the 99.8% survivals. <laughs> well, what, what really irritated me is the way um, the vaccine pushers would try to immediately minim, minimize any alternative therapy. Yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot of talk about it. It's really no, like, no, no. They would just want to hush that stuff up. But if you want to do do, do the research, but uh, look at uh, breathing hydrogen, like uh, hi, uh, hydrogen peroxide. I was using a nebulizer back. We're on camera, right? Or is this his audio? Uh, we just checked. Yeah, we're we're, we're recording. We're okay. on video as well. Um, yeah, we're good. I just used a little nebulizer. Maybe you can see this. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I fill with hydrogen peroxide, and I just breathe hydrogen in my lungs. Which has uh, tremendously uh, protective properties. Oof. You do that, and I, I, you know, I, I've been sort of like for years. I was traveling, so I wasn't carrying supplements with me because I was living the life of a digital nomad, living out of one bag for pretty much 15 years. So you know, I, I couldn't carry stuff with me, but I really bumped up my supplementation to my diet. Mm -hmm. I was taking liposomal C and making sure my taking vitamin D. Because I'm living in the Pacific Northwest where we don't get much sun. So okay. definitely needed to keep my D levels up. And uh, yeah, I was just, uh, I was taking bamboo salt. These are all things I was reading about. And uh, I, I think they have uh, had a very protective effect on me. And I was exposed to a lot of people because people were coming in to train with me. I have a garage gym set up. Mm. I, I have uh, a uh, 10 by 15 foot uh I don't know what that is in meters or nah, but 10 by yeah. 10 by 15 mat set up in the garage for uh, teaching private jujitsu. Oh, that's nice. And I had dudes coming in from all over the place, you know? So I, I know I was potentially exposed. Plus I flew to South Carolina hmm. and stayed there for um, almost five months training jujitsu with all these guys I didn't know. Wow. So there was a good chance I was exposed, but once again, strong immune systems. That's it. That's what protects you from anything. Does it? Does it what matter whether it's coronavirus, yeah. Ebola? I mean, yeah. you know, the strong immune system will carry the death. Does it frustrate you? Because you're in the industry for forever, right? The, in the fitness industry and the jiu-jitsu community and all that. Does it frustrate you that the main narrative for this whole pandemic had nothing to do about taking care of yourself physically, uh, with food, with supplementation, exercise, this was like the, I don't even know, maybe six to eight months of zero reporting on this. And then eventually they started saying, hey, uh, vitamin D is actually good for it. And you should go outside and do more activities, physical activity. But the narrative left this whole portion out. And I know Joe Rogan would talk about this over and over again. And it's, I think it's a really important point. And I still can't figure out why this wasn't in the discussion, whether it's about fat shaming or I don't know the motives behind not talking about it. But there's so much we can do with our bodies and our nutrition that can fend off most viruses. And I feel like this could have been a huge platform for the mainstream media to push that and to talk about these kind of things more. But they no, no, mainstream media is owned by, yeah. you know, well, like basically, you know, 
they're they're shills for the uh, powers that be, which are basically run by corporations that are making shitload of money off vaccines, you know. Exactly. But you know that people as soon as you start talking like this, people think you're freaking nuts. You know, they they want to label you as a kook or a nut. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, or they'll just use the word "oh, conspiracy theory." You know, and yeah. is that that's supposed to end the argument? Yeah, they're just yeah. scared to be ostracized. They, the, the but I mean, if you look at the health become, of the United yeah. States, I mean, this is hard fact. Uh, almost sixty-eight percent, I believe, is overweight, and a good—I'm uh, not sure the exact statistics. I just looked this up the other day, but it's it's over thirty-four percent that are, are medically obese. These are the people that are getting sick. And if you say it, obesity is a problem, you're fat shaming. Mm. You know, all the politically correct nonsense. <laughs> I mean, they just take it too far. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you're fat and overweight and you're suffering from any other comorbidities like diabetes or heart man, you're in danger. Yeah. But you're in danger from any of that. It could be just regular anything that throws your system off. You're very fragile. And you you have a you know you you have a good chance of suffering from any number of diseases. So the the main the main takeaway I think from all this is keep your immune system really really strong. Mm -hmm. And if you take the vaccine or you don't take the vaccine, you still got to keep your immune system strong. And if you're if if you're carrying too much body fat, get it off. You know, find a way to lose weight. People do. People lose weight every day. I see articles of people losing 100 pounds, 140 pounds, you know, this success story, that. So it can be done. Yeah. If one man can do it or one woman can do it, so can you. I think people really feel like it's impossible. And actually, we had another guest on. He's a, he's a PhD and a nutritionist. He's really, he had a really good point about how, like, there's, some, there's a huge psychological aspect. If someone is, like, overeating and they don't have, like, some, you know, thyroid issue like there's no there's no medical reason why they're overweight or something like there's something that needs to be addressed you know it's everyone knows everyone has the science everyone everyone is aware you know exercise healthy diet eat less is becoming much more uh you know like a common knowledge as well like you'll age better you you don't need to eat as much like all the idea of like the the bad oils and the bad fats and all the sugar and everything you know it is just available. There is an addiction aspect to it, but there is also just this like kind of cultural like acceptance, acceptability of it. That's like just freaking weird. And it's like, you, you know, you can't, I don't think it's going to last long to have a, this conversation of like telling someone how to live healthy is somehow shaming them. Like it's, it's just, I don't I hopefully it's just a loud minority that we always talk about, you know, like there's just a group of people that don't want to deal with it or don't know how to deal with it. And they're they're turning the they're moving the goalposts, you know, like it's 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 not easy. We're not shaming anybody. We understand that. But like, yo, if you're scared of covid for real, don't yell at me for not wearing a mask. And then you're scarfing down McDonald's like like there's a lot of ways to, to, to reinforce your immune system mm-hmm. with cold showers, with vitamin D, with sauna, with exercise, with meditation, with touching people. That, that's another thing that's scary, right? Is like a lot of the things that we want to do to help our, our immune system, like go to the gym, these are things they would argue are going to spread COVID. So you start getting, you start hitting that wall, right? So, you know, there's some things you just can't do, but you know, you know better than anybody, there's no excuse. You can you can find a way to do some pull-ups or some or some push-ups at home. You know, 
find a way, man. Um, I really specialize in minimalist workouts and at, at home workouts. And uh, I, I pretty, you know, there for the longest time, I, I got involved with the kettlebell movement in the U.S. Mm. as one of the uh, ground floor uh, practitioners. But I came to realize that that was a step in the wrong direction. I, I, I do believe that that type of uh, ballistic training, along with plyometrics, box jumps, those type of things, uh, really erode joint health over, over the long term and are just unnecessary. And this idea that you can do fast, explosive repetitions and you're working fast twitch muscle fiber, this is simply not true. You can not move at all and do isometrics and work every muscle fiber in, 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 in your body. You don't even need movement. Hmm. I'm, I'm a, I really came full circle with a lot of the ideas about that. Wow. And it's really funny because, uh, like I say, I was one of the first practitioners of kettlebells in the U.S. And uh, my ex-wife, D.C. Maxwell, was too. Hmm. And I remember when we first started this, she, she said, man, wouldn't it be a kick in the pants that if 10 years down the line, we find out that this stuff is really bad for us. You know? And I said, shut up, man. Don't talk. Don't <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> it's funny because I have a But I've found you're injured in most every workout. And uh, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, but uh, she had to have her hip replaced. Mm. Oh. A lot of the, the big time uh, kettlebell uh, gurus have already had uh, joint replacement surgeries and you know elbow yeah. surgeries knee surgery it's no secret you know i wanted so, to ask you how did you get what to this, kind of system does that to you how did you, you know? get to this philosophy of of tuning away from like these these like box jumps and these heavyweight training exercise regimes that are promoted everywhere how did you become in uh, how did you get access to this knowledge of isometric trading like what shifted in your life that got you there well actually it's a return to the old uh mm. back in the 60s my wrestling coach was very big in isometrics and I, I saw firsthand how well the isometrics work. We used to do manual resistance, which is like one partner resisting another. I just did a little workshop on that, uh, my own little webinar on manual resistance. A lot of people never heard of it, mm. never did it. It, it was uh, the brainchild of uh, uh, Dan Riley. I don't think he invented it by any stretch. I'm, I'm sure you could go back in time and uh, the Spartans were probably doing something like that or the Roman gladiators. But uh, um, yeah, we, we did a lot of those old school training techniques. And then in the 70s, uh, I was very much involved with Nautilus and Arthur Jones and high intensity tr training system. And I was in tremendous shape. I was a division one NCAA wrestler back in those days. And uh, I was in the best shape of my life training with the machines. Yeah. This whole idea that machines are non-functional or whatever, that's simply not true. Hmm. You know, what's not, what's not functional is hitting a, a, a tractor tire with a sledgehammer, you know, really inefficient way to strengthen your body or condition yourself. So um, I already knew a lot about this before. And then I eventually uh, got involved with super slow, Ken Hutchins and the super slow guys. And uh, that was a wonderful way to train. And when I opened up my gym in 90, I, I worked at many, many gyms around the U S but I finally opened up my own place in 1990 okay. and we made super slow one of the foundations of our program. And we had a lot of vintage Nautilus that had been retrofitted with um, cams to change the strength curve a little bit to accommodate slower rep movement. Mm. 
And I, I had a lot of elderly population, people over 50 and over 60 coming in to train. And that was a real boon for those folks, that type of strength training. Very safe, uh, very efficient. Hmm. And so I knew a lot about this. But I started getting bored. And I also was involved heavily in the beginnings of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu explosion in the U.S. I was looking for ways to uh, kind of maximize my performance. And I felt like I, I, I wanted to do something different. And I started investigating the way old-time grapplers used to train, figuring that, you know, going back in time rather than looking at modern athletes – because, I mean, you can never be sure they're not using performance-enhancing drugs, right, any yeah. modern times. So, you know, anything, any information prior to uh, 1940s is pretty much drug-free. Mm. So that's where I went. But I think it was a step in the wrong direction. I, I really do. I've some since then come full circle. I started having a lot of shoulder issues myself with the kettlebells. And I just realized it's just not a very sustainable way to train. Okay. And you don't need to train fast and explosively. You know, even swings, as benign as they seem, can cause a lot of shearing force in the spine. Mm-hmm. And I was waking up with a lot of stiffness. Now, you couple that with, you know, jiu-jitsu training. Wow. Yeah. You have like a double whammy effect. Yeah. So I went back to using uh, slow, high-tension reps and using basic compound bodyweight exercises. And I supplement that with a little rubber band resistance and isometrics and i find for a man my age 68 it's a perfect way to train but i would admonish all those young people out there to look at it now you don't want to wait until you start building up calcium deposits in your shoulder your neck or your spine and then have to go to super slow Mm. better never to get that type of osteoarthritis in your joints in the first place and you can do that by training with high uh tension slow rep type exercises and no it won't make you slow and if you want to get explosive for the mat you practice the exact skills that you're trying to perfect but you know training and throwing barbells around or kettlebells around it doesn't make you faster than anything else you just get get good at throwing barbells and kettlebells around (laughs) yes the strength it does work you will get muscular you will get strong but there's better ways to do it safer way to get the same strength but in a safer way yeah i I wanted to ask you though i like because i i recently bought a kettlebell and i love it and i'm trying to be really careful because last time we talked to you you were really adamant on on going slow and and still getting a huge benefit and i really took that to heart and i i've seen a lot of improvements doing simple things just body weight uh, squats push-ups pull-ups really going slow really challenging the muscle really having good form uh, even I had a I had a yoga ball for a few months uh, working at my desk and just having that static like a- activity in my legs my legs got really like strong and visibly strong hmm. you know you don't like you're not you're not getting that crazy hypertrophy uh, if you're if you're doing this slow thing I mean I'm not maybe because like like you said I get kind of bored in the moment sometimes but uh, but it I was getting definition I was getting strong but I wonder if like there's this knees over toes guy on, on YouTube. I don't know if you follow him, but like a lot of people are showing that like the body can do this stuff, but you really have to build up to it. So it's like, is there any of this in the future for people who want to be like hyper athletic or is it just always going to cause some kind of damage? Is there always a trade off and you're always going to end up screwing yourself into old age? 
Well, here's the, here's the problem that I see. Uh, we, we see the, the, the YouTube wonders, the guys with amazing six packs or in some cases eight packks, you know, mm. amazing muscular size and definition, uh, doing all sorts of really amazing athletic feats. And maybe some of their training programs are uh, pretty extreme, you know, uh, gymnastic kind of stunts and tricks and feats. And they are the far right of the bell curve. You know, mo if you take strains of fitness, most of us fit in the middle of this bell curve. Mm. And to the left of the bell curve are people with zero athletic potential. Think Woody Allen. Yeah. It's a good example. Or, yeah. 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 And then on the far right, you got your, you know, your Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, in his young days. Yeah. Or, you know, you got your Edo Portals or you got, you know, these amazing fit specimens, right? UFC fighters, uh, you know, gymnasts and all that. They're in the far right. They're genetically gifted people that no matter what they would do would be better than the average person, probably even if they didn't train at all. I met a guy the other day at the supermarket that was so amazingly muscular, and he told me he doesn't train. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Right. And anything that that guy would do, he would look like a god compared mm -hmm. to most people. He would. Yeah. So they're on the far right. And all of us in the middle, right, why are we trying to emulate the guys in the far right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. You're just going to end up messing yourself up for no good reason. And just because a person uses a particular system and has had success with it doesn't mean that he couldn't have got better results or perhaps faster results, but the big word, safer results from doing something else. So I'm not saying that these guys, their systems don't work. Obviously, they do work. But do they work better? Do they work safer? Are they going to work for a person that's not so genetically gifted? Mm -hmm. How about just an average person like myself, very average genetics? You know, I could destroy myself trying to chase those guys. So that's my point. You don't need to do these insane, crazy routines. You really don't. I mean, if truth was known, a lot of a lot of these people would be out of business. You only need one or two strength workouts a week. And you need to be active every day for health, for sure, hmm. you know, and it all depends on your recovery. And that's genetic. Some people are recovery geniuses. They can take a beat and come back the next day and seem to be fine. Uh, for me, it takes me a couple of days to recover from a really hard workout and a little bit longer now that I'm a little bit older. Yeah. So, you know, how do you know where you're hitting that threshold of overtraining and under under recovering let's call it when you just because it happened to me so many times where back in the jiu-jitsu days when gyms were open and we would train hard four five six days a week and then i would have like a crash on like the saturday and sunday i just feel really destroyed but i didn't really have a system in capturing the overtraining portion of the week maybe i could have resulted in a better uh rest day when if i was more aware of how my levels were so do you have a system of yeah. Um, well, sport is one thing and strength training is another. Okay. We strength train to strengthen and protect our muscles from injury so we can enjoy our sports. Mm -hmm. There's a big confusion between recreation and exercise. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that everything from walking the dog to mowing the lawn to having sex is exercise. It is not. You know, exercise 
is pretty much a universal idea. And recreation is pretty much individual. And exercise isn't very much fun. You know, it's hard work. Whereas recreation is fun. Rolling on the mat. Okay, there's work, but it's fun work, right? You know, running, for example, is is kind of a, a recreational pursuit. But it's not necessarily exercise. It doesn't meet the five point definition of exercise. So the the key here is don't confuse recreation with exercise. Now, how do I know I'm doing too much recreational activity? Well, my resting heart, heart rate will be elevated when I wake up in the morning. You need to know what your um, average is. It might take you a week, 10 days to find that out, assuming you're not already overtrained. Okay. And any uh, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I whip out my iPhone. I go to uh, instant heart rate. I don't make any money off these guys. This app right here, instant yeah. heart rate. And the little white shines. I put my finger on the uh, – and then it measures my heart rate. Okay. I do that every morning when I first open my eyes in bed. And if my heart rate is five or more beats more than my average, for sure I'm overtrained. Really? Okay. I need – elevated heart rate indicates stress and non-recovery. Okay. So I'll just take off that day. Now, when I take off, does that mean I just sit on the couch? No, 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 no. I'll go out, I'll walk, I'll do breathing exercises, you know. I, I do a little combination of uh, some of the Wim Hof stuff and uh, the oxygen advantage, you know. Uh, I'll do mobility and stretching or maybe a yoga or something, something very soft. Okay. No strenuous poses, no handstands or, you know, anything like that. You know, just like a yin yoga kind of nice. thing. And just be active, but nothing hard. And another way is if you wake up and your body feels like it's been beaten with baseball bats and you're sore and stiff and you can hardly move, take off. Take Don't off. go force and just have to go in there and do a, a two-hour BJJ practice with some gorilla that's trying to tear your head off, you know? <laughs> Give yourself a little recovery. Yeah. The other thing is like your enthusiasm. If you're really feeling enthusiastic and you're really raring to go, that, that's a good sign that you're probably recovered. So resting pulse rate, uh, how, how, how your joints and your body feel when you wake up, your mood and your, your enthusiasm for whatever you're doing, that's a good indicator. Nice. When it comes to strength training, when you're younger, you should be making fairly steady progress. Not every workout, but you know it might go up and then plateau, maybe you're down, then plateau, then up. You should, over the weeks and months being – seeing a, a slight upper trend in your strength. Okay. And if you don't, and, then... and if, if you're not, if you just plateaued out or going down for sure, you're overtraining. Hmm. Now that changes for veterans, you know, people that have been training as long as me. I started training, I guess, 1964. My dad bought me my first barbell set. Wow. And uh, so that's a lot of water under the dam for me. The gains long ago dried up. I'm just trying to maintain <laughs> what I built over a lifetime, you know? Yeah. You're trying to prevent that age-related uh, muscle loss called sarcopenia. So I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to keep what I had built, hmm. kind of like money in the bank, so to speak. You, most guys that have been training four or five years pretty steady, you pretty much hit very close to your genetic peak, uh, provided you're not overtraining. That's it. And you've been eating well, you know? You have a good diet and you're training right. Within four to five years, you pretty much what you see in the mirror is what you're going to get. And see, that's disappointing to a lot of guys. A lot of guys will say, yeah, but 
you know, the muscle magazines, they promise me if I take this magic supplement or this protein powder or I, I take this testosterone booster, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to get this big G whiz muscle like the YouTube phenoms. Yeah. It's just a lie. Mm. It's another lie. Simply not true. That's Most funny. of us do not have the genetic propensity for gaining a lot of muscle size, no matter what we would do. Mm. Even if we were to take steroids, it would yeah. be pretty minimal increase. And I was loath to risk my health taking anabolic steroid drugs. Just too many side effects. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's too, many, too, too many unaccountable factors. Even under a doctor's supervision, it's still a real game of Russian roulette. Yeah, I know. It's, it's something. I mean, it's it's funny. Like, I, 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 You made me think of this experience I had with my brother. Uh, like he's been working out for a good solid like six years now and he's he's really smart about it he's just maintaining you know he's he's definitely reached his genetic limit uh but then you know covid hits all the gyms close he starts shrinking and stuff i remember uh before covid um we were in the gym and he he just had like his his um i saw like his uh his ankle like yeah you gotta you got a picture like i'll just paint you a picture my brother it looks like captain america like he is jacked, you know, he's like, a, he's like a little bit shorter than me. You know, he's like average height. Um, uh, we, we have a kind of natural, like, uh, let's say like endomorphic uh, genetic thing going on. You know, we're, we're pretty much on the lucky side, but we're not like uh, beasts either. Me- you know? Mesomorphic. Mesomorph. Thank you. Yeah. Endo, Me- endo and ecto are the, the big and small, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. We're, we're more on the mesomorphic endo, side. The, the, uh, the heavier, yeah. fatter type, the ectos, okay. any more like distance runner kind of guy yeah so we have a nice middle and we, we have an easy time putting on muscle i've met like you know i've met those genetic freaks as well i have met this guy his uh his brother and him and his dad they never worked out a day in their life and they they have they have tennis balls under their biceps like it's yeah it's, I know. it's, it's frustrating i know <laughs> but, but to that point you know like i i don't i just i just without thinking i just told my brother like his his uh ankles look small but it's because his, oh, no. his calves are so big. But it's like yeah. we, we just have this skinny natural build, you know. And yeah, he I saw it. I, it's like I it's like I I shot him in the heart. Like it, <laughs> it was so funny. It's like he was like, "What do you mean?" Like it, like I hurt his feelings. Like I really hurt his feelings. Even though, like I say, this guy looks like Chris Evans and and Chris Pratt like put together. You know, like he's he's really like just you know it's built because everywhere. even within the same family you can have two brothers with completely different genetics you know depending on who inherited what yeah it's true yeah you i know? think he has to work for I a had little a more younger than i do brother that was tall really much taller than me and, and relatively lanky and thin and lean yeah. and i was shorter and stockier you know and my brother took after my uh, uh, maternal grandfather Mm, okay. who's tall and lanky and lean like that you know and i i took more after my father's side of the family small and you know kind of kind of lean and wiry not not particularly uh athletically gifted or genetically gifted to gain a lot of muscle you know mm. that didn't stop me from trying <laughs> it, trying trying's the the only thing that matters is what i realize you know it doesn't matter what your what what dice roll you got you know like i i think i pack on muscle a little more easily than my brother but my brother is still like he could he could hold me down with a finger at this point like i, I just don't put i don't have the devotion that he does you know but i i see what you're saying like i i take a lot from my mother's side physically we both look alike i think my dad's genes are very strong in that sense 
but uh, he he looks he he seems to have more from my dad's side, and I have more from my mom's side in that in that body type sense. I wonder if you and your brother have any kind of like obvious differences like that, also. Yeah, I think he's more. Which one's the one that puts muscle on f- more? It's endo. Um, the mesomorph. Mesomorph in yeah. general is like yeah, yeah. yeah my brother's just a more bodybuilder meathead style, yeah. which is funny to your point, Steve, because my brother has been bodybuilding for. 15 plus years just because of covid he kind of everything at least where we are most things are closed for this whole year so he actually tore his bicep tendon just lifting something up and it was just yeah and i realized it it probably happened accumulative from just all those heavy lifting sessions that he used to do because he would you know like the bodybuilder mentality they would just go heavy and lift high reps and Lots of just sometimes not paying attention to their form or their technique. Yeah. So I think just over time, uh, his tendon ruptured. Well, it's interesting you said that because a lot of these injuries that you see on, uh, let's say, the playing field, like, uh, uh, do you guys watch NFL? No, I'm not a sports guy, honestly. Not so okay. big. More fighting. But I mean, me. it won't be unusual to see a guy yeah. go in for a play and and all of a sudden he pulls up with a pulled hamstring or yeah. you know blows a uh, an ACL in the knee and. It's not readily apparent, like, what? What happened there, you know? Yeah. How comes the guys hurt? Or even in the UFC, you know, where guys are fighting, yeah. you know, there'll be an injury, but you, you can't really tell, like, what exactly happened or how did it happen. What a lot of people don't realize is that that injury had been brewing for not just mm. for months. Yeah. Uh, all the micro trauma and micro insults in every workout that guy was doing, every box jump. You know, every power clean, you know, every time the guy was doing something questionable, you know, like these bouncing kind of leg presses and stuff, uh, they were creating a weakness in the connective tissue and joint so that at that moment in time when when the injury actually happened, that wasn't the exact cause. It was like the straw that broke the camel's back. That's it. It had been an entire accumulation building up for a long time. So injuries on the playing field are not always caused by you know whatever it seems like the person was doing at the time like you see sprinters it's very common for these guys to pull hamstrings despite the fact that they're doing extensive strength training despite the fact that these guys stretch 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 and you'll still see them pull up lane Hmm. a lot of it has to do with the type of training that they're doing it's just injurious to the connective tissue and they're like i say every workout is like an insult to the body. And over time, this builds up so that like men like your brother will just do some innocuous thing, like pick something up mm, and bingo. Yeah. There goes the back or the shoulder or the bicep tendon or whatever. Yeah, it's accumulative. It's just like you accumulative said. Accumulative trauma over time. Mm. Now, it's bad enough when you're in a contact sport or combat martial art or whatever, collision sports. It's going to happen no matter what. But um, I don't want to make my weight training also contribute to an injury like that. That's, That's why I opt for the safer, slower, high-tension, controlled repetition. So, and you're going to get as genetically strong as you're going to get. Doesn't doesn't matter. Fast, slow, in between. Olympic lifting, powerlifting, kettlebells, gymnastics. I mean, I'm not here to say it doesn't work. You know, there's people that build their bodies which is any number of ways, but there's better and there's best. Mm. There's safer and there's dangerous, you know? And if you're comparing two different training systems, 
and one takes two hours in the gym and one takes 30 minutes, I'm going to go for the 30-minute one. If one is using risky exercises that could potentially injure me and one's based on, 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 on safety, I'm going to go with the safest protocol. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get to your genetic peak pretty much no matter what you do. Yeah. So why not pick the routine that's safer and doesn't spend? You don't have to spend as much time in the gym. Yeah, for sure. That's no. The way I see it. Longevity is a thing, man. You you want to plan for the longevity is the thing, man. Listen, yeah. I had a mentor, an older guy, who got um, got me started in the fitness industry, and he used to say to me, "Yeah, Steve, anyone can be something amazing at thirty or forty, you know, or even fifty, you know, you can be really something." But you rarely see anyone like 80 years old is really amazing. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. Mid-70s, 80s, 90s, rarely. It's so rare that they're usually like on the, you know, in, in like a major newspaper somewhere, or a big article or something, you know. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, you take the average person, uh, once they hit, get in their 70s or 80s, uh, it's pretty sad, mm. you know. Oh, they, my, my dad can barely walk. He's uh, 77. Uh, you know, he's uh, yeah. I mean, it's halfway it's through the day, he starts limping. Yeah. yeah. I started teaching a cane self-defense class. You know, like yeah, a regular saw, walking stick. Yeah, yeah. we saw. It's that. like a thing. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, it's a whole martial art built on walking sticks. It's, it's very popular right now, especially okay. in the states. There's this group called the Cane Masters, and it's really fun. That's it was great. like the uh, the martial arts of uh, Sherlock Holmes. Remember, you use that. Walking stick to the cane. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's really good for elders, you know, because a lot of people use a walking stick or cane anyway. So uh, I started studying it, and uh, I started teaching it. But, oh my god, it's like I had to go ten steps backwards and just get people teach them how to get up and down off the floor. There you go. Literally. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't get down to the floor and get back up. Yeah. So you know, imagine. we had to go way back. I, I started doing like basic movement patterns just to kind of rewire their brains. They, they forgot how to roll over or sit up or stand up off the floor. You know, it's going to be pretty hard to defend yourself when you can't even move. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, every one of them needs some form of strength training to make their muscles stronger. Mm. But, you know, they're there for the cane class. So, so I do the best I can with what I got. Are you so, fusing jujitsu into this? Because a lot of these getting up patterns are jujitsu uh, oriented, right? Like the technical stand yeah. is very yeah. like. I had to, I, I had to kind of take a few steps back. Yeah. To tell the truth, at the end of the class, we do baby crawling. Just <laughs> rewire. No, seriously. Yeah. Baby crawling and creeping like an infant. Because mm. they, they have uh, a couple of these people were so sedentary. One's an actual uh, psychologist, like a therapist, just therapy sessions. Uh, the other guy, I forget what he has. He has some kind of business. And, you know, uh, one, one guy also had a, a kind of physical business, but they're all beat up. They're like my age. And they literally cannot move. And how are you going to defend yourself if you can't move? You're overweight, you're weak, and you don't have any movement patterns. Good luck with that. <laughs> Trying to fend off a, a, a 18 year old thug, right? It's, it's a hard point. Yeah, hard enough when you're young and fit. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I guess the joke is that you you need the cane, right? So it's like you're learning yeah. to defend with the cane, but it's like if you have a cane in your hand, it's because you you have some trouble. Yeah, if you need it for mobility, good luck in using it for anything else. But it, it's interesting. They want to feel better about themselves. And they want to feel empowered, and I'm all for that. 
Yeah. So we, we, you know, I, I give them what they want. They want to learn how to smack something with a cane or mm-hmm. how to block something. That's cool. Yeah. But let's do some other stuff too. You know, let's get some movement patterns and I sneak a little strength training in at the end. That's it. It's a way in. I think you could, that you could even use my, my grandmother uses her cane often to, to work uh, shoulder mobility. Yeah, absolutely. We, we do all those drills. Nice. You know, shoulder, wrist, elbow, shoulders, you know. It's like a way and to just kind of integrate the Very cane. small portion of the class is actually spent. I have like one of those uh, Bob dummies. Oh, yeah. You've seen it? Sure, yeah. yeah. Good for pinpoint accuracy, you know. <laughs> I think that's a good point that you're addressing self-defense as like almost with a holistic approach because I see, we're in the jiu-jitsu community and I see gyms that are teaching self-defense classes only and they're doing movements like arm drags to, to disarm someone with a knife attack. But if you don't, have, yeah, yeah. But if you don't have a base level of fitness or strength or flexibility, mobility, these movement patterns you're practicing in like a, a two hour self-defense class a week are not going to ever apply. Like in jiu-jitsu, you learn a technique and then you, you spar in real time almost 100% with partners every day. So your theory is getting tested and, and retested. So it's very good that you're implementing all these modalities into the self-defense because I think a lot of self-defense schools kind of skip those those crucial points that get you to being able to defend yourself. And that's a lot of it is not to do with the techniques, but rather how your fitness your fitness level is. Like a path well, into then, integration. You know, the mind part of it too, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just making people aware. Yes. I, I can't believe how many people walk down the street texting, like totally <laughs> distracted, you know? I mean, More if I, ever, if I yeah. had bad intentions, it would be just so easy to come up and bug them, you know, because they're not even present in the moment at all, yeah. you know? So they have zero awareness of like what's going on around them. You know, they're not like looking down the street, Who's that dude in the corner, you know? Mm. Hey, I hear footsteps behind me. I, I turn around to, you know, see who's behind me. I mean, awareness is so important. And yeah. I find that in today's distracted society, you know, people wearing earbuds or earphones or texting or listening to music. You know, I like to listen to music, but not when I'm out in the street, man. Mm. I, I want to hear everything. Yeah. I want to hear that car's screeching tires. Uh-huh. You know, I want to hear that truck turning over the engine in the parking lot i want to know yeah you know yeah, so people are just incredibly unaware and then you know pe- people seem to be almost i don't know what it is like reluctant to try to avert something you know i have no problem feeling nervous and crossing the street because i don't like the look of that guy down the street mm. you know it's true so i i will try to avert anything mm. and um I'm not advocating running for people, but I do do sprint work, mostly as a self-defense drill. What better self-defense than to run like hell? (laughs) Every martial artist, every master or teacher I've ever had has said that at some point. If you can run, run. Yeah, run like hell, man. Yeah. I I live in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'm just down from uh, British Columbia. Like British Columbia is here, and where I'm here is on the Olympic Peninsula. I'm on this little peninsula called Port Townsend, and Vancouver Island is right there with um, Victoria, oh, nice. right across from us. So, so I'm very close to And uh, it's pretty chilly here, yeah. and we get a lot of wild animals year-round. I have deer walking across us right in the middle of this right. conversation. <laughs> and 
I, I I'm probably going to get some crap for this, but I I like to feed the wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> oh sure. I feed I feed my raccoons. I, I made yeah. friends with a mother with uh, two baby raccoons, and I feed her. <laughs> and uh, I I got these squirrels literally eating out of my hand. That's we cool. ha- we have a, we have a squirrel here called the Douglas squirrel. It's only in this part of the world. It's only in British Columbia, uh, Vancouver Island, and pretty much uh, Washington State. Hmm. Uh, maybe a little northern California. But they are the cutest, smartest little guys. And I have two of them. One I call Peanut because <laughs> he just loves eating, and he'll take peanuts out of my hand. And the other one I call Snatch and Grab because he's nervous. <laughs> he still doesn't trust me, and he'll come up and he'll – He'll eat on my hand, but he'll grab it and run like hell. And but I watch the way these animals work, and they all run. That's they it. all run. I saw a coyote out in the yard the other day, and what was the first thing he did? He ran. Yeah. Ran. Self defense. They run. There was a buck, a huge rack. I mean, this thing could have gored me to death. What's the first thing he did when he saw me? He was a little nervous. He ran. Mm-hmm. Animals in nature have common sense. You know, they will avert any kind of fighting or danger uh, other than during the mating season, maybe. Or The males will go at it. But other than that, animals run. Yeah. You know, humans are the only animals stupid enough to try to stand there and fight or argue or whatever. <laughs> you know. it's, My it's, rights have been violated. And, uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, they get their lights punched out. It's a fair point because I think it's because we're not living under threat anymore. So we've kind of created these false senses of security a lot of times. And you're seeing it on TV on like how these like I'm sure you've experienced this for years when you get a new person in jujitsu who's maybe watched something on television and then they think in their mind they're capable of so much more. And then you throw them to like a blue belt or like a, like our, like a a pretty well-seasoned white belt just on his way to blue belt and maybe half the size and just smokes the guy. And then he just gets humbled. I think we get in our heads a lot more because we're not in, in a, in a threatening society. We're pretty safe. We walk around normal life all the time. We have to worry about the coyotes, but the instinct should be the same, (laughs) you know? Most, uh, most guys think they're a lot tougher than what they really are. That's the truth. Yeah. And it's a real sobering experience. And even when you are trained, it's still sobering, you know. Mm. I, I've had some huge, strong guys, and wow, you know, size and strength can overcome a lot of it's true. martial arts technique, man. 100%. You know? Yeah. So, you know, best avoid, you know, and right. only use any kind of action as an absolute last resort, man. Yeah. Absolute last resort, you know. It's a great. I, uh, I've often thought about having a gun or a firearm, you know, it's pretty popular in the U.S. these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I I just in my own mind, I don't want to kill anyone. Yeah, you know? of course. It's a huge karmic debt, you know, and as I'm getting near the end of my life, I, I would prefer to go through my life without ever having to have killed anyone. Hmm. Even though I was in the military, thank God I was never in a, a war or anything. So, you know, it, it never came up. But it's, it's it's a good thing that I never had to kill someone, hmm. and I prefer not to. And if you have a gun, sure, it works. And for sure, it doesn't matter how big or strong the guy is, you know, you can kill him. But there's a huge karmic debt in killing someone. I'd rather just avoid. I really, truly would. So for that reason, you know, I, uh, I have a couple of dummy guns for practicing uh, gun disarms. But other than that, 
uh, I prefer to go gunless and 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 uh, uh, like the old uh, kung fu movie, you know. Remember Kwai uh, Jane Kane? Yeah. There's reruns still on TV. <laughs> Do you ever see it? Years ago, when I was a kid. David Carradine. Uh, it's a great. It's really yeah. good. Even to this day, okay. there's there's shows still stand up. The uh, the Wandering Monk with his martial arts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd rather do it like that. He was he's, he he preaches Buddhism nonviolence mm. in, in the show. So he'll he'll uh, he'll go way out of his way not to injure or kill people if he can help it. That's... And he has these amazing martial arts skills. That's a lot a, of fun. It's a very wise. I never really thought of it in this in the terms of like karmic debt, you know, and in terms of not carrying a gun for that reason. And that's. That's valuable to to think like that, you know. I mean, well, think about it this way: what do you do with a gun? You, you know, it's for killing. Yeah, you blow somebody away. No more going to kill a person. And if you have a gun, let's say you say, "Oh, I'm never going to use it," mm. or "I don't intend to use it." Yeah. But you can't help but have a gun and not visualize using it. Mm-hmm. You're going to see it in your hand. You're going to imagine shooting someone, and you couldn't help help it. And what you visualize, you create. Our realities are pretty much the sum total of all our visualizations. So if I have a gun and I'm visualizing using it, there's a very good chance at some point I may actually do that. Now, I do know that there are some police and some people that are in the the field of uh, law enforcement or whatever that never pulled their gun in their whole career. Hmm. You hear about that. Yeah. So that might be an argument against what I'm saying. But Still, there's a very good chance that there's going to be a, a a point where you might use it. I prefer not to. Hmm. To tell the truth, I'd rather die. Oh. I'd be karmic free. Hmm. Then I just go into the next life. You know, <laughs> clean slate. Higher level. Yeah. Or maybe get off the cer- the cycle. You know. I mean, it's for a- people to for people to believe that way, you know. Some it sure feels that way. It sounds kind of kooky, but. No, yeah. not not for I mean, our audience. No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> one way or the other, it kind of ha- has some sense to it. You know, you're 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 leaving some reverberations in the world. You know, whether you in some kind of soul like come back as like a dog or a human with more luck or or whatever you want to believe. That's that's definitely like we'll see when we get there kind of territory. But I I'll mean, see when I get there. Exactly. But you know, I I I think there's a lot of evidence to support that this this is probably a strong possibility. You know. Hmm. Like there's there's a when you're paying attention and you start seeing these things in life, like this kind of synchronicity and like these these doors opening in your life and you kind of have like this this more spiritual way of understanding the world. Man, it really it really does like click into into something that is already there. It feels like, you know, and and if you're talking to somebody about this, that's not there yet or or never will be there for whatever reason. No, it sounds too nice. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't get it, and you're just like ah. And then you talk to someone who does, and and it's like it's like another language, you know. And it's like you you. Yeah, very refreshing though, isn't it? Oh yeah. To find yeah. people that, that you know have the 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 understanding and awareness that what we think and what we say and affects what we do, mm. and and what we do affects our 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 reality. Yeah. You know, we we kind of create our own reality through what we think, say, and do. Yeah, yeah, we really do. There's a... And you can't really control your thoughts, you know. I, I used to try to practice this thought control. It's impossible, you know, because not all thoughts come from within ourselves. Some of it comes from without, it's you like know. Channeled in. Yeah, we channel a lot of thoughts. 
But you can certainly filter those thoughts and just be aware that you have this continuous inner conversation and, you know, this awareness that there's continuously these thoughts passing in and out of my head. And you can select which ones that you want to keep and which ones that you reject. Yeah. So you'll you'll appreciate this. Did you ever see Senjuro, a judo saga? It was a Kurosawa movie on the origins of judo. Sounds very familiar. I don't think I watched it though. Yeah, it's old world, pre World War II, I think, black okay. and white. It, a lot of the original footage was cut out of it. But in the scene, the young judoka comes up against a couple of thugs in the street. And he uses, in those days, judo and jujitsu were pretty much synonymous, you know? Yeah. Ju- judo is just a form of jujitsu. And uh, that, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Maeda taught the Gracie, basically, you know, mm. the old. Uh, school judo. Yeah. And, but anyway, uh, he's approached by these thugs in Kyoto, where they have a lot of uh, canals, like a like a river, but with thick walls. So he's attacked, and he does this beautiful tomonagi, stomachs well, and he whips the guy way up over and throws him in the canal. And the next guy comes in, he does like a a, a, a wishigari and throws him, like a springing hip throw, and throws him into the canal. Yeah. And then the next guy, I think, just runs away. <laughs> but anyway, I had that scene, and that's how I deal with my thoughts. It's like mental judo, right? Yeah. The ones I like, I keep, but the negative ones, I literally see myself throwing it in the canal and getting rid of it. fear thoughts, you know, uh, pessimistic thoughts, yeah, uh, yeah. any kind of negative thought I come up with. I do my little judo throw into the canal. <laughs> I fucking love that as a visualization. Yeah, I don't mental judo. I, I remember Fear, a while ago. Doubt. Yeah. I, I don't remember where I got this, but someone said like, I think they used the word magic. They said it's really powerful magic uh, and like creating your life to to accept and reject thoughts consciously, like you said. No, don't worry yeah. too much. Don't don't beat yourself up too much about what's coming through, but really just kind of select what you give energy to. Mm. And I've always kind of kept it in that kind of verbal sense, and it's been very powerful. I'll, I'll catch myself feeling. Like just giving in to some weird thoughts that you know are just you know uh, visitors. They don't need to linger unless I I say so. And mm. I literally will out loud say I reject that thought, uh, or even just think it or feel it. You know, and it helps so much. But I really I'm just in love with that. Like, you know, just like uh, tossing some some dude into the the canal kind of <laughs> visualization. You know, like or, or in my case maybe um, like a straight like a punch. Just come some kind of like, 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 yeah, you, deflection. Either you move your head or yeah. a little deflection. Or... <laughs> this Aikido <laughs> sort of like, uh, you know, just like let, let you fall with your own energy. Like, I don't even need to address you, kind of thing. Yeah, pull a matrix kind of move. Exactly. Going, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah I, w- I was actually wondering before, I forgot to ask. Um, it, I, I'm just curious. It's a little off topic, but like the this cane, uh, martial art that you're teaching, is there, is there, uh, like some white crane or like some some older kung fu, uh, like uh, inspiring. Yeah, that, apparently there's a lot of um, like the American Cane Fighting Society. It's based in karate and kung fu. I had a bunch of videotapes that I started looking at because I was asked to teach this class and I didn't know anything about it. Oh to yeah, tell the okay. truth. shit. And uh, so you know, I got a, a bunch of DVDs and a whole bunch of different books. Hard to learn from a book, hmm. really hard. Yeah. DVDs. A lot easier. Yeah. But I read the books anyway. 
And then I watched the DVDs and I practiced. And then I'd just go out every day and hitting leaves and trees and, mm-hmm. you know, like the old sword masters in Japan. They would go in, in a bamboo th- forest and condition their wrists and elbows and forearms. And then I, I discovered there's this cane swinging type of thing, you know, where it's real fancy where you swing and do all these cool it has nothing to do with real fighting, but yeah. it looks cool. <laughs> Fancy, exactly. <laughs> like baton twirling or something, you know? Yeah, yeah the, the flash, <laughs> the, the flare. <laughs> and I only did it because I had a client that was begging me to teach him something because he figured, you know, in his mind, oh, I'm I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, so I know all this stuff. He doesn't realize <laughs> that there's all these different disciplines, you yeah. know? You just don't. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was good for me. I mean, in that uh, it just taught me something new and good for my brain you know the plasticity of the brain yeah, yeah to learn new things so yeah I, i've just been having a lot of fun with it and to tell the truth i'm starting to get kind of good oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not that i could go in and sword fight a cane master but you know I, I i certainly could use that cane to to whack a young whippersnapper up upside <laughs> the head or the side of the leg if if it came at me, yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if in any, like, um, and see, okay. there's a negative visualization, by the way. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I, uh, I actually got another one teed up. I was wondering, like, um, is there, like, is there any recoil? Like, if you're, if you grab this thing and like smack a tree or something, and you're, like, yeah, you're yeah. practicing, a lot is of this, recoil. Yep. Is this hurting yep. your 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 elbow and stuff like that over time? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, there's some negatives to it. You got to be careful with the the full contact stuff. You know, it's one thing to swing it through the air that's bad enough. I mean, look look at uh, tennis. You know, tennis elbow is very common. Sure. So you got to strengthen your tendons, your ligaments. You got to do proper strength training. There's also conditioning drills just to get your wrist, fingers, elbows. Uh, I do a lot of that. Uh, it's real interesting because I used to play drums when I was younger, mm. and uh, I was in a, uh, a drumming bugle corps, uh, rudimentary type drumming. And a lot of the exercises with the cane uh, are very similar to some of the drum things we used to do with the drumstick hmm. for conditioning our wrist, elbows, and forearms. I, I'd love so to. So I have to be him. careful of the elders that I'm working with with these canes. Hmm. My biggest fear is, and I hate to use the word fear, but concern mm-hmm. that uh, they're going to try something and someone's going to grab their cane from them. Oh, yeah. So we practice a lot of cane retention techniques, also how to keep it. Okay. Yeah. Not just about hitting someone, but blocks and retain, retaining it so someone doesn't take it. Hmm. But once again, man, if you're dealing with a very unfit population, they don't have a lot of options. Just hope that the person attacking you is more unfit than you are. You know? <laughs> well, it's like you said, it's it's really 50-50 on, the, on, on mentality. It's just the fact that you're getting moving again, you're getting confidence again, and then... Even exactly. if you have one or two like really good techniques of hitting and blocking, suddenly you're a force to be reckoned with. You know? Yeah, you're a force. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, just put up even a superficial struggle, uh, most thugs will want to go onto an easier mm-hmm. target. That's a good. Point. You know, they're looking for easy prey. They don't want someone who's going to fight back. That's true. You know, right. if you look at these CCT. Uh, videos of people being attacked in the street there's been a whole rash of elderly uh asian people being attacked uh in the u.s and um all these uh, covid racism in the same kind of manner you know they kind of sneak up on unaware elderly people and then punch them in the back of the head or or beat them or yeah yeah 
it's not uncommon. It's been happening in uh, California, New York, you know, okay. a lot of violence. And, uh, but you that, know, a lot of it is the, just these people being totally unaware. Well, that comes, and never expecting in a million years that someone yeah. would come up and hit them. That comes to your point. And a lot before. of these thugs are not particularly good shape either. Yeah. A lot of these guys are pretty overweight and it's obvious that they, you know, they don't have any real formal training or anything. They're just bigger and stronger than the person they're attacking. But it comes to your point from before of just self-awareness and awareness of your environment and how at every moment you have, if you're out, you have to kind of always have that mechanism turned on and you can learn that and practice that. You know, I, I think it's something with jiu-jitsu because there's so much proprioception happening. Like in, in such a quick moment, you're thinking of so many attacks and you have to feel the most subtle movements of your if you're training partner's body and you can recognize what they're going to go for. And I think, cause I remember when I was deep in my jujitsu days, I was just aware of everything. It wasn't just physical at that point. I would go for a walk or wherever. And I would, I just knew every corner, there's a person there, there's here, there, there's something there. Yeah. And it's like, my nervous system is, is sparking and ready to, to respond to any type of movement. So I think you can train that peripheral awareness and how important it is for just your safety. Right. If you're just aware of your environment, it can just, just that alone, if there's someone coming from behind and you hear footsteps and you turn around, could just save your life, essentially. Absolutely. And yeah. people, it's amazing how many people are too embarrassed to do that or feel too self-conscious to do that. To turn around. It's like, wow. Well, yeah. in Canada, yeah. it's a thing, man. We're like old yeah, I mean, here. Yeah. Who, who teaches people to be, you know, afraid to turn around and look someone in the eye, you know? Yeah. But you'd be amazed how many people are uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, they feel embarrassed or they feel, I don't know, just really uncomfortable, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll turn around. I want to, who's back there? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I feel like it just comes from martial arts. Like I, I've done, uh, I mean, you must think these people are idiots, but like people who do parkour or like free running, uh, like they, these well, kind of. Not idiots, you know. As long as you do it, it right. You I know. Think, yeah. You don't, you don't see many people over the age of 25. That's exactly. <laughs> but, but, I, uh, whatever discipline I've, I've seen the wipeout videos oh, oh god Lord. i can't this is gonna be brutal i can't man yeah it's 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 bad you, for every dude doing some amazing like a uh, front flip into a land on a bar or something there's 20 dudes breaking a kneecap or or, or nutting themselves on a on a rail yeah, or like, something. Yeah, half dozen of them in the emergency room. <laughs> I, I'm sure, man. A lot of kids, too, just don't know their limits and things like that. But my, my, anyway, my point is that when you do a martial art or something, like when you do something like that, you you just gain this, like, uh, respect, this physical respect. You know, if you get uh, choked out or, like, some guy, like, you know, like, you, the first time you get thrown proper in, like, a like a judo or kung fu setting and you realize, like, the, the power you have when you really know what to do, mm. you just kind of get this kind of fear of God in you and, and you start respecting your environment more and it just kind of comes with yeah. the territory. And uh, I, I, maybe some people feel like it's, a, it's a, like an anxiety or some kind of something negative and they don't want to think that way, but you just kind of earn it naturally if you if you have any kind of discipline just like you're saying with the cane thing like if just in the mentality of learning to retain the cane then if something clicks in your brain you go oh yeah this is like a fight like i think i'm all powerful with this cane what if they take the cane away from me you just open up the mind to more security to more um uh like awareness and 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 like it's kind of like a nervousness, but I, I don't want to put a negative spin on it. It really just is this kind of like. A well, I mean, being aware, aware. Yeah. isn't fear. 
It just that you're just alert to all the possibilities. Yeah. yeah. And of course, it's impossible to be alert to all the possibilities, but yeah. you're certainly you know alert to more of what could happen than mm. the person that's totally unaware with their earphones and you know walking down the street texting or yeah. you know just distraction. being oblivious or listening to music and all that. And you know, I like to listen to music too, but I'm not going to do it outside. I'm not going to do it in a crowded street or in a big city or whatever, you know. Save that for the, you know, for the for inside my house or whatever. I feel like uh, one thing about the jujitsu uh, is real interesting. Uh, you ever notice how the white belts are so much more dangerous than anyone else? <laughs> yeah. As far as injury, yeah, oh, yeah. it's yeah. because they're reacting like a person, untrained person, mm. and that's who you're going to face. It's unpredictable. Very unpredictable yeah. and so forth. And a lot of the things we do in jujitsu, it's jujitsu versus jujitsu, yes. and there's a certain set pattern to what's going to happen. That's it. And there's a strong predictability. Mm. But with the white belt or the new guy or a straight fight, it's very unpredictable. Yeah. So you do kind of somewhat. It's impossible to simulate a real fight without people getting really hurt. But you do have to simulate a little bit. Mm. You do have to practice those scenarios to be really good at it. Yeah. as a discipline and you know it, it really uh, it pains me to see uh, how many jiu-jitsu schools only start from their knees no throws oh. no takedowns uh, only doing sports rolling yeah. you know and that's you're not going to pull guard in the middle of a asphalt parking lot <laughs> or well, that's yeah. I'd like to see you try to jump to a flying arm lock yeah you know, in the middle of an icy street with uh, cinders all over it in midwinter, you know? Well, yeah, or, that's you know, I mean, come the on. The last thing you want to do is... So I, I, I think it's important to keep the, um, the martial in the martial art and the martial sport and practice some of the stand-up self-defense yes. techniques. And jiu-jitsu is fantastic for that, man. Incredible. It was the... Uh, maybe you heard of the... Uh, that special spy school that was in Canada. It was during World War II. No. The uh, British, what was it, the OSS? Okay. No, that was the American counterpart, the old CIA. The, 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 Brit the Brits and the Americans formed a spy school where they came up with a pretty hardcore martial art based in William Sykes and uh, William Fairbairn. Okay. It was old school jiu-jitsu. You know, killer. The the booklets are still out there. Kill or be killed. Uh, get tough. Okay. You can still buy these booklets. Old school tech self defense techniques. Mm. And of course, the Gracies specialized in stand up yes. self defense. I think everyone should practice some of that stuff. You know. Yeah. Well, absolutely. But most guys don't. They don't know it. Even black belts. Yeah. Really would be hard pressed in the fight against a bigger, stronger guy. I, I was fortunate enough to, in my grappling career, early on to fall across the Montreal Wrestling Club. And those guys were just there because it's wrestling. They they blew my mind with the techniques of from the stand up to the ground. And most schools five, ten years ago, let's go ten years ago, they weren't really doing much stand up at all. It's more common now to see in jujitsu schools they're doing wrestling. But back then, it was like you said, we start on our knees and we're just rolling. We high five props, go from the knees. It's like a unrealistic scenario. And you can excel so much because it goes to your guard right away or whatever. And it's like, if we started standing, you may never have gotten in that position. So 
I think it's crucial to practice from the top to and bottom. And I wouldn't want to be my guard if I could help it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm only there because I have to be there. Yeah. If the guy put me there, hmm. it's either being mounted or the guy's top, on top of me in the cross side or cross mount. So a better option for me is to have them in my guard so I can protect myself somewhat. Yeah. But do I want to be there? No. Heck no. Definitely not. No way, man. You know? I prefer to be on top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My knee and his belly or, you know, yeah. uh, having thrown him so hard the fight's over already. Which is you know, probably a, the case. A good throw yeah. can pretty much be a fight. Yeah, you know? if they don't know how to land. And, and I'm with you on the wrestling, you know, yeah. being a former wrestler, uh, wrestling can be a powerful martial art for putting the guy down to the ground. Mm. Well, you see it in the UFC. Like, I think right now, most of the champion holders are all wrestlers originally. And it's just to be, a, man. Yeah, there you go. I don't care how good a guy stand up is. Eventually, he's going to get, get a hold of you and put you down. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be on top. Yeah. You can't put him on the bottom. Yeah. So he doesn't even have to worry about his guard that much. That's a great know? example. Probably the finest takedowns ever were was GSP. Yes. Unbelievable single leg takedowns, man. Yeah. That guy showed how wrestling could be a great setup for putting a, a guy down to the ground. Yeah. Hundred percent. I think it's crucial for for any discipline to have that base, and I think wrestling is one of the best bases to have when you go into martial arts because you can dictate where you want the fight to go. But remember, we're talking about athlete versus athlete, yes. and people agreeing to fight. But yes. it's shocking how poor the base is of just the average thug. Hmm. A lot easier to throw and take off his feet than what you might imagine. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty shocking how easy they fall down. It could because they don't throw have you off. It can throw yeah, you off. They may be bigger, strong. Yeah. But for the most part, they don't know how to fall. Hmm. They don't know how to take a fall. And you can pretty much take them off the, the feet somewhat easily once you know what to do. That's it. But it can be unpredictable because the takedown could come so easy on someone who's never defended a takedown. And you can actually probably injure yourself too if they just fall incorrectly. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's a special thing. Sure. There's a weapon involved or something. Yeah. I wonder if well, weapon, uh, that changes everything, man. I tell you, yeah. you take any average 12 or 13 year old and put a knife in their hand. Mm. It's like they're an automatic black belt, you know, when it comes <laughs> to like trying to grapple a knife away from somebody. Mm. Yeah. No, very scary, scary, man. Very different. You know? I, I, I haven't seen that any, uh, most of the knife defenses are pretty sketchy in my opinion. You know, I haven't seen one I really like yet that I think, well, for sure you're going to get cut. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Knives are a really dangerous thing. That's why I like the cane. Yeah. I'll take my cane against the knife any day. <laughs> yeah, I get some distance. You got range. Exactly. I got a little distance. You know? Yeah. I play with a bow staff a lot, but I mean, you're not going to have that in a street fight. A bow staff. Well, I carry my cane with me now. Exactly. You know, the cane cannot be taken from you by TSA. Oh, good. Yeah. It's a medical instrument. Hey. So. As long as you don't have a sword inside it or something, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're gonna be okay. You know, you can't have like a metal ball on the end of it. You know, like you oh, know, like a shillelagh or, or a metal stud. Yeah, but yeah. if you have just a regular wooden walking stick with a rubber tip and the little curved crook, you can carry that through any airport and fly with it anywhere in the world. It's good to know. 
I it's a medical it. instrument. But you know those uh and, they're usually hollow, right? Like the like they're metal there with the with the with the like the adjustment. Like are, would that break? Oh uh, yeah, it? there's some chance like that. No, I'm talking about the wooden cane, the wooden walking stick. Yeah. Like the the venerable one like your grandfather or your great grandfather yeah, has. Some good they're still pretty popular. Something, yeah. 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 So that's that's what we have. That's what we use. So it's just a fun thing, man. I'm really digging it, you know. It's something new for me. I like to learn new stuff. But I like it. Yeah. Speaking of the self-defense, because your lineage, you you came from the you've learned from the Gracie family, right? At a very young age, you were directly from Master Elio and yeah. his oldest son Horion and his second oldest son uh, Helson. Wow. Now I have trained with the other boys, uh, Hickson and Hoyler, and a lot of training with Hoyce. Hoyce is pretty wow. amazing. Uh, I trained with all those guys. Wow. Also Holker did a little training with Henzo, his cousin Hillion, a lot of. A lot of uh, Gracies out there. Yeah. Also, uh, some Gracie students like Fabio Santos, uh, really amazing uh, practitioner, uh, Kaiki and mm. uh, Enrique, uh, amazing jujitsu guy. I've I've been very fortunate to have some pretty high level jujitsu guys. Well, that's incredible. That's a huge list. But I, I I got my black belt directly from the second son of Elio Gracie. That's and awesome. their system, the original system, was very self-defense based. It was very, very like what you're talking based. about, uh, taking someone down, uh, an attacker down. And there was a few strikes they even threw in there, I, I believe. Some counter- Plenty of strike. Yeah. You know, we have headbots and palm heel mm. and, you know, the old uh, judo chop, yes. you know, palm strikes, elbows, headbots, knees. Yeah. You know, a knee in the belly we do in sport is a lot different in the street. You you do a knee drop right in the guy's ribs oh. or groin or, or head or neck, you know? You kill a guy. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> George Floyd. Yeah. Pretty lethal. And the guy didn't drop the knee. He just, just kept, kept it on it his neck. Now imagine if you meant harm and you dropped oh. on the neck with your knee. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a fight in there right there, man. Yeah. That's serious hospital time or death. So these these are the techniques of jujitsu. They're very very powerful, and a lot of the things that are banned in Do UFC it. are the bread and butter of jujitsu self defense. For example, up kicks, hmm. very powerful but banned. You cannot up kick someone who is on uh, even on one floor. knee. Yeah, very dangerous kick. Yeah, they had to take it out. Uh, there would have been too many damaged jaws, broken teeth, or or even uh, neck fractures. From up kicks from a, a down guy, so if it's good, yeah, as a sport, I could see them taking it out. But you know, a lot of people forget that you know the kicks to the kidney with the heel from the guard—that's illegal. You know, hmm. rapid punches to the back of the head. You know, that's all illegal stuff. And this is all things I learned in jujitsu as part of the curriculum. Yeah. You know, well, that's... never mind bending a finger, which is actually easier to do than you think. Uh. Sticking. Your thumb in someone's eye or whatever you know yeah. i mean these are all straight defense systems in in gracie jiu-jitsu that a lot of people don't realize just how powerful they are hmm. and for good reason they're banned in the sport of you know the combat sports you can't do them without people getting really messed up yeah <laughs> no for sure i mean I, I did a bit of uh uh, you know, Taekwondo was very like military, kind of weird, sportive. I did uh, when I was younger, but then I did a good four years of of white crane kung fu. Obviously, a lot of it is showy and and pretty, and it's an art of, as well. But man, 
my the 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 master was like this is how you do it training and then he would always take us aside and be like this is how you do it in real life this is life or death go for the nuts go for the eyes go for the throat like you, th this this is some ancient martial art this is this is we go for the things you can't condition we hit you on the top of the head we're trying to kill you and it's like when you when you're taught that and and the teacher is is smart enough to say like this is the distinction you know like this is dangerous you know we do this when we're training we do this when we're when we're defending our lives and uh even even the this weird kind of fist where you where you you poke out the index and you're just like popping ribs hitting people in the eyes like uh going for the throat and stuff like that like you realize like oh like this guy's teaching me to kill somebody to to really defend my life yeah yeah, yeah. and it's, it makes you sweat man it makes you go this is <laughs> yeah, pretty much so. Man. That's what I. Well, why is she talking to me? I have my iPhone sitting here. <laughs> but do, does it bother you? Well, not bother you, but because jujitsu took a huge direction into sport, and now it's like, it's incredible what these these athletes can achieve and and the techniques that they're using. But has the soul of jujitsu kind of faded away, like the what the Gracies teach, or is it still happening and it's just not as popular? I don't know because. Most schools well, it's still I've happening been, in yeah. different pockets. Like Hicks and Gracie, yeah. very much intimate about keeping the martial arts in the jiu-jitsu. Hmm. He has his global jiu-jitsu federation, okay. which is separate and apart from the IFBJJ. That's pretty much has gone 100% support. Okay. Uh, they, did, they did start a uh, self-defense, uh, kind of like feeble self-defense movement, but uh, it hasn't gotten a lot of traction. But uh, the Valencia brothers in North Miami, they were the last people to directly get their belts from Elio Gracie. And Pedro Valencia is, uh, his father was a red belt under Elio Gracie. And his grandfather was a red belt under Elio Gracie. So he's third generation Valencia brother jiu-jitsu. And, uh, of course, all the sons of Elio Gracie uh, still teach very strong uh, self-defense and you know, uh, Hoist, Hoyler, they're still teaching the original self-defense. Wow. Helsing Gracie, uh, my teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, Horion, probably the best teacher of in any field I've ever had. They still very strongly teach the self-defense. And, of course, uh, Elliot Gracie's grandsons, uh, Hiron and Henry Gracie, yes. they had the Gracie Academy in California. Yes. And they have a huge network of jiu-jitsu schools throughout the world that are still sticking with the original jiu-jitsu self-defense programs hmm. they call it the combatives program or street defense programs nice. so they're they're around that's good to hear you don't hear it as much because you know the sport seems to be what has taken the world people really interested in that hmm. i heard there's going to be a demonstration sport of brazilian jiu-jitsu in the olympics in japan really because uh bjj is very popular in japan that's what i heard i, I haven't confirmed that I'd be amazing to see. I mean, that was, they were been pushing for that forever to get this into the Olympics. So just to see that would be massive. Yeah. I think they'd have to clean it up a little bit, make it a little bit more user friendly, a bit more interesting, you know? Yeah. Because the average person is pretty boring watching a jiu jitsu match. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Not, not to me, but yeah. I mean, to the average person yeah. that doesn't understand. We just don't know what's like, going on. What are they doing? Well, They're yeah. wearing. Yeah. They're wearing these pajamas and they're just laying there <laughs> hugging each other. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. You don't see the struggle <laughs> and, the, and the mentality and like all the, all the decisions and, and the, the, like the physical struggle. 
Yeah. You don't see yeah. the the tug of war like the. It's, it's not really it's a game of inches. There's yeah. really the slightest yeah, wrong movement really in your fuck. Game of inches and seconds. You yeah. know, like um, you know, they said that about American football. You know, but uh, I think jujitsu is very similar. You know, yes. You don't see all the little subtle things going on sometimes. Even if you're educated, you're still you, you, there's things you, you're not aware of about the positions the guys oh. are in. Yeah. So I find it interesting, like a chess match. Yes. But a lot of people find chess very boring too. So. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's 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 hard to uh, to to just see the depth. You're like like you said, even someone who knows, you're not in there, and you don't know the little decisions or little uh, you know, the guy's got the guy's drilling a knee in a rib somewhere, or he's trying to squeeze something, and like you're not seeing from the other yeah, side. Yeah, he's or caught, or his you know his hand is caught in a certain way, or you know he just. My toe's caught inside your gi, or the gi's wrapped in a way that is making immobilizing me. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's amazing that you uh, grew up in such an yeah. environment, and in your jujitsu career, starting literally from the best of the best. I mean, in the moment, I don't know if you were aware of how big that was, but looking back at the history, being part of the the training with the Gracie family, all the way back to Helio and his sons, that's an amazing um, blessing to have that kind of knowledge around you. And I'm sure that's carried on to your practice up until now and forever, but uh, being, definitely a blessing. I mean, yeah. You know, like, when I started back in 89, no one had any clue what this was, including myself, hmm. you know, and I went to that first seminar in uh, the East coast and I just fell in love with it. And I started traveling out to uh, Torrance and uh, right about 1990, I just set some mats up in my gym and started inviting old wrestling buddies and, you know, members of the Philadelphia Judo Club to come over. And uh, there was an Aikido school next door. Some of those guys came over, you know, interested in looking at some groundwork. And uh, in, in the beginning, I almost had to beg guys to come over and train, you know. Yeah. And then it just started, boom, it exploded, man. Wow. And uh, all through... Uh, 89, 90, 91, 92. And then what really blew it up was when uh, the first UFC, which was Jorge and Gracie's brainchild here in the U.S. They had been doing fights like that in Brazil forever. Yeah. This type of, you know, anything goes type fights. Lute um, Livre. Yes. They called it free fighting or whatever. And uh, so Jorge brought it to the U.S. And uh, it, it just, everyone lost their minds. Here was this skinny, Brazilian kid that wasn't muscular or anything at all, just kind of a very handsome, baby face, mild mannered guy. And what was he, you know, he's making these giants tap out, you yeah, know, yeah. with I mean, chokes and no you know, submission holds. Yeah. People who had no clue. Yeah. And after that, man, you have the explosion. There's a novelty aspect, but it really did blow up on its own merits. Just the fact that you you can you can outsmart and out strategize. Like it's a it's this human body sport. I love I just love it. I love you know, you might get a bit of that in, in some other martial arts, but the idea that you can learn to take someone down who's like half your size if you're good enough, like that's so uh, or if he takes you down, being able to defend yourself, even yeah. off your back, you know, yeah. the fight's not over just because I'm on my back. Yeah. You're on top huge. of me. Yeah. The fight's not over. Just getting started. <laughs> yeah, just getting started. 
I never. I don't. I, I did a. I did a few days of, of jujitsu. I, I really I, like. I, I've not. I mean, this guy's gonna come over soon and start showing me the ropes. But like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so green. It's hilarious, man. Like to 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 to. I don't even really respect or understand the idea of like a being able to take a bigger guy. When when someone when I was at your school mm -hmm. those couple of days there you know they they're smart enough to just like mix up the pairings and and to you know you have to test your, your yeah a good teacher should keep you safe and protect you in the yes. beginning you know oh yeah well uh, I mean, if, I the, if the black belt instructor is smart he'll, he'll really work to protect you especially as new students yeah. keep people hurt very important man and that's why you know in defense of starting on your knees that most of most of the injuries happen during takedowns and throws oh yeah mm. yeah that's where the catastrophic injuries happen so yeah, from a safety point of view, the guys want to get a good roll and a good sweat. Most of them, they're just for fun anyway. So, you know, in, in the name of fun and recreation, sure, there's nothing wrong with starting your knees. I understand it. But I still think that everyone should learn the basic throws and basic takedowns and basic stand-up self-defense. Yeah, but like I separately, really I guess, or later is what you're saying. Well, no, I think you, right from day one. Yeah, okay. Even the little kids didn't know, but... You know, when you actually go to live sparring, maybe start the beginners on their knees for a while until yeah. they start getting really good at falling and taking falls. You know, I learning guess. to take a fall is every bit as important as learning to throw. That's all you're saying. Yeah. Master Elliot was very proud of his ability to take a throw. And because he was small and weak and he would fight against much bigger, stronger guys, he would often, as they would throw him, he wouldn't resist. He'd literally throw himself into the throw. And unweight the guy, so the guy fall to the ground wow. in the process of throwing him. And he was down to the ground right where he wanted to be, where he could neutralize a lot of the guy's size and strength. Because mm. he learned quickly that once he hit the floor, the size and strength, it still matters, but not nearly as much as it does when you're standing up or trading punches or kicks or whatever. 100%. whole different ballgame. Yeah, that's, like that. that's the beauty of it is that when you – expose someone to the ground how it becomes such an equal playing field in terms of the physical aspects especially and then if you don't have any knowledge of the techniques and the other person does then it's it's uh I f i'm pretty sure it was hoist that said it it's like you're swimming with the sharks and you don't know how to swim kind of swimming thing. With sharks. yeah and that being said i still prefer not to go to the ground especially mm -hmm. like i said in some of the scenarios that told you like a gravel driveway or asphalt yes. or you know an icy straight in midwinter with all those cinders or salt all over it. I mean, I would do anything I could to not go to the ground. Yeah. But it'd still be there. Yeah. You just gonna get scratched. Getting up. my my block knocked off by some really strong, powerful guy. At least I could protect myself. Yeah. And then, you know, you always have the specter of uh, multiple attackers, you know. You pretty much don't want to be tied up in the ground with somebody <laughs> if all his buddies are around trying to hit you or punch you or kick you or hit you with a club or something, you know, That's yeah. better, you know, so there's times to go to the ground, times an option. Escaping is always your best. Run. The running. Run. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Do you, do you have any, uh, do you give any credit to like these old Wing Chun guys who say that they, like, you know, it's designed to take on multiple enemies and all that jet? Like, do you, yeah, okay, no. No, no, right now, I don't know if you've been watching or not, but there's a MMA guy going around debunking all these old Kung Fu masters there's a and few basically them, yeah. beating the crap out of these guys <laughs> yeah. and all the pressure point guys. <laughs> yeah. and, and so much so that the Chinese government arrested them because 
No they were oh, upset that he was belittling their culture. Wow. Wow. That, that. But now there's another guy that's doing it. But meanwhile, the Chinese military is secretly learning MMA and jiu-jitsu. For sure, yeah. They're, They're teaching them all the techniques of jiu-jitsu and MMA. Oof. Secretly. They don't want to admit it. But yeah, all these kung fu masters that do, you know, the the you know the tai chi guys and the guy falls down you know you see it with russian sistema too yes you guys are in a big sistema area you yeah. know with vladimir yeah uh who is by the way the real deal mm. and i have trained with him and that guy is a badass wow but some of the other good to hear. things are a little questionable you know the uh the the uh the the fat russian guy the uh, michael Ryapko. yes uh the guy's a badass in that I have been punched with him and I trained with him in Moscow. There's no doubt that that guy can hit you so hard. But some of the things they're promoting are pretty questionable, you know? Pretty questionable. I, when I first started, I, I started before jiu-jitsu was Sistema. I went to a Sistema school. And the one thing I did get out of it, a lot of it was really weird, but was really good about it was the breathing techniques and the body awareness. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's all based in that Yako breathing, by the way. Okay. If you want to learn more about it, read the Oxygen Advantage. Oxygen Advantage. That's the that's the underlying uh, that's the underlying theory of the system of breathing. But you know they've taken and developed it. But you may be surprised to know there's a whole bunch of different systems, Russian systems, okay. not just Vladimir's system. That's Ryabko's system. Okay. There's another guy by the name of, of uh, Alexei Alexevich Kadeshnikov. Kadeshnikov Sistema. He was uh, an early practitioner in the Russian military. It's like ma Russian military martial arts. I went to Krasnodar and trained with him and his son, Arkady. That was quite an experience. Mm. That was really something else, man. Wow. Uh, I, I really learned a lot from Alexei Kadeshnikov. Cool. And uh, he, he, he was like a physicist or a physics teacher. And he taught everything you know, using physics as the model. Very interesting stuff. Nice. And then I trained with Michael Grudev in Moscow, and he does Izvor Sistema, okay. very ancient form of Slavic martial arts. It goes way back to the Russian Orthodox monks when they were defending against the Mongol hordes. They, that, they can trace their history back that far. Wow. Pretty badass dudes. And Michael Grudev is a fantastic teacher and practitioner. He uh, taught me a lot. Uh, I heard through the grapevine, if he ever listens to this, I hope he's not embarrassed, but he spent, <laughs> I, I think, four years in a Russian prison, man. Wow. Mm. Be a badass. Oh, that's pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Geez. He he came out of there unscathed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was teaching me in uh, uh, one of the parks there in uh, Moscow. What's that main park? Not Gorky Park, the one adjacent to it. Uh, and anyway, right along the Moscow River there. Wow, it was such good training, man. Wow. The guy was really, really good. And then I, uh, my last stint was with another Kadashnikov guy. Uh, this guy, uh, Colonel Maximsov. He uh, is Ukrainian. He was in the Russian military. Then he was a Russian police officer, and he still retains the rank of colonel. And he lives in the Canary Islands most of the year. And I spent three months training with him in the Canary Islands. Wow. And got my uh, level one teaching certificate, mm. and uh, yeah, uh, 
the, the uh, his name is Alexander Maximsov. Okay. Tough guy. Jeez. Wow. Really lethal guy. These Russians, man. Weapons and yeah, the Ukrainian Russian guys are <laughs> scary, man. Scary dudes. Even I in, love them. They have such good hearts. Oh, even in wrestling, like the that's the bunch of wrestling club. They're all Russians or Georgians, and they're just so humble but so strong and disciplined. Oh, strong and disciplined. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I love it. But yeah. yeah, that whole Slavic fighting system, the Russian Slavic fighting system, pretty lethal, yeah. and it's principle based. Whereas jujitsu is technique based. So I took a lot of his principles and put it back into my jujitsu, wow. especially my self defense. So you, you might say that oh, I kind of came up with a hybrid Sistema Gracie Jiu Jitsu, a little hybrid. Not that I tried to change the techniques of Jiu Jitsu, but I just added the principles of Sistema with the breath work and yes. the softness along with the Jiu Jitsu. So. Very cool. Yeah, so it's good to expand your mind, you know. Well, that's it. That was now, like the Bruce Lee. Mentality. Now I'm working with a, a walking stick. You know? you it's just good to challenge yourself and just do different stuff. And you know, here I am getting close to seventy and still learning new stuff. You know. The, well, that's what the the bread and butter of it is is just learning new things and expanding your mind, and that it kind of crosses into everything you already know and it amplifies it all. So that's really cool yep. to see that learning never stops. Learning never stops. With that, with that, I'm going to have to bid you adieu. I have uh, yes. another appointment coming. Up. Yeah, I think well, we've gone on almost an hour and a half. It's yeah. pretty good. Huh? We hit oh, the yeah. hour and a half. Yeah, it's it's perfect, having fun. Yes, Dude, yeah, always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, it's real pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, uh, I, I hope the people listening uh, enjoyed it and yeah. got something. Up. And uh, my website is maxwellsc.com. S for strength, C for conditioning. Maxwellsc.com. I have tons of instructional videos about exercise, isometrics, body weight training, and so forth. And uh, I have a recent opening for online personal training, cool. which I do through a combination of emails and Zoom. So anyone interested in learning more about my philosophy and this joint-friendly way of training into old age, um, I'd like to hear from you. Awesome. So. I might take Thanks again, myself. Yeah. yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Have, a really, uh, have a really nice week. You too. Maybe I'll talk again soon. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Of soon, course. Man. Always a pleasure. You're always welcome.